You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Bears Ears National Monument. Maybe you've heard of it while watching the evening news or read about it in your Facebook feed. Maybe you already have feelings or thoughts about the place. Well, the only thing I'm here to do is tell you some history about a place that has been home to people for over 13,000 years. This is episode 325 for the 21st of November, 2017. I'm Chris Webster, and this is Art365, a podcast today in 2017. This episode is written by Richie Cruz. This network is supported by our listeners. You can become a supporting member by going to arcpodnet.com slash members and signing up. As a supporting member, you have access to high-quality downloads of each show and a discount at our future online store and access to show hosts on a members-only Slack team. For professional members, we'll have training shows and other special content offered throughout the year. Once again, go to arcpodnet.com slash members to support the network and get some great extras and swag in the process. That's arcpodnet.com slash members. Bears Ears National Monument is a big piece of land, 1,351,849 acres, in southeastern Utah that President Obama designated a national monument in 2016, which is one step short of a national park like Yosemite or Yellowstone. National monuments were created with the passing of the Antiquities Act of 1906 and were meant as a way to protect archaeological sites. Over 13,000 years, a lot can happen in over a million acres. Too much for this podcast, of course. And there are over 100,000 known archaeological sites within Bears Ears. It has seen a procession of different peoples live within its borders, starting with the Clovis people 13,000 years ago, and continues with the Navajo, who, can, who still call this part of the world their home. The Bears Ears National Monument gets its name from the Bears Ears Buttes, a pair of mesas that resembles the ears of a bear emerging from the horizon. The 100,000-plus archaeological sites within the monument are administered by six cultural special management areas who are responsible for protecting and maintaining them. These include the Alkali Ridge National Historic Landmark, the Hole in the Rock Historic Trail, the Grand Gulch, Big Westwater Ruin, Dance Hall Rock, and the Butler Wash Archaeological District National Register site. As that long list of names suggests, these sites are spread across a diverse west southwestern landscape of giant rock formations, deep valleys, and wide grasslands. Highlights of the giant numbers of archaeological sites within Bears Ears National Monument includes the Lime Ridge Clovis site, a camping site at the top of a ridge with a discrete lithic assemblage. It's the archaeologist's way of saying people stayed here for a week or so while they made arrowheads and tools and scouted out what animals were around to hunt. As the name suggests, it is a Clovis site which dates to 13,000 years ago. It showed little signs of looting or anyone having visited the site in the past thousand plus years, which is really amazing when you consider that almost all of the 300 lithic artifacts, the formal name for stone arrowheads and other tools, recovered from the site were found just sitting at the top of a random ridge. But what you think of, and most people think of, when they think of this part of the world are the ancestral Puebloan sites. Those nice apartments built right into the hillside cliffs, and that knockoff zigzaggy flower pot you bought when you visited New Mexico that one time are all descended from this culture. These ancestral Puebloans began moving into the Bears Ears area over 2,500 years ago, and Combe Ridge is probably close to what you were picturing when you think of southwestern archaeology. It's a monocline, the fancy geological term for a canyon, that is a mile wide, stretches for 80 miles, and is dotted with enough archaeological sites to keep me reading for hours. This includes several examples of rectangular cliff dwellings built wherever there was enough space and only accessible by rock climbing up to them unless someone was nice enough to throw you up a rope. There are also many of the usual everyday and sacred petroglyphs hammered into the walls of the canyon that one finds throughout the West. 
Ancestral Puebloans were farmers who grew corn and are known among archaeologists as the basket maker culture because they literally use them for everything. The reason you only know them for their pottery is because you hardly ever find fragile stuff like baskets at archaeological sites. You may also know them because they literally pulled up stakes and moved out of their homeland in the mid-13th century, thus becoming one of archaeology's most enduring mysteries. After the ancestral Puebloans disappeared from the region, the people who would eventually become the Navajo and continue to call Bears Ears home moved into the region. Having already adopted elements from the ancestral Puebloan, including farming and living in permanent structures, it probably wasn't that big an adjustment. The main differences being that they did so on a much smaller scale because of the changes in the landscape that were the result of a dramatic drop in rainfall. So instead of a big rectangular cliff dwellings, Navajos lived in hogans. Hogans are too varied in size, style, and construction to describe here, but are all small structures with an internal wood or stone framework that is covered with packed mud and doors that face east. They also continue to hunt and farm as before, but again on a much smaller scale. While the Bears Ears National Monument is now something that means many things to many people, it is also a place that has seen a broad sweep of history, enough history to fill up a library full of books, and a true place of wonder for anyone with a genuine interest in archaeology. Thank you. That's it for this episode of ARC 365. Please share this episode on your social media sites so others can have fun and learn about archaeology too. Please consider a donation to ARC 365 by sponsoring an episode for just $35. You can find the sponsor page at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash sponsor ARC 365. Thanks and have a great 2017 with the Archaeology Podcast Network. The song Storm Diggin' was written, performed, and recorded by Steve Webster. This show was produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.